mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 2. We are going to be beginning in verse 1, but as I often tell you, I don't really like chapter separations that we see in the Bible. They're not always um, spirit-led. They think they separate them in the right place, and, but what they do is they do tell us which chapter to go to, which verse, so they are useful. But I believe our point continues here. What was he telling us about? Listen, we're talking about John, the revelator, little baby John's here, first, second, and third, and he is talking to us about fellowship, fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. He's talking to us about having that koinonia fellowship, all things in common. Now, how are you going to have all things in common? That's what koinonia means, with God. Listen to me. He is light, and in him there is no darkness. There's no, there's no obscurity. There's nothing that's dark. So the only way that you and I can have all things in common with God is if positionally Christ gives us his perfect righteousness. He gives us his perfect holiness. Now in Christ we have all things in common, but in the flesh practically you and I are learning to walk in the light as he is in the light. Practically you and I are being washed and cleansed as we walk in the light. He shows us more darkness as his light shines in and then we say, yes, Lord, I agree. I agree with you. And I need to change my mind because really that's what confess means is I agree. It means to say the same thing that God says about your darkness. It means, and that's how you become like him as you begin to go, wow, I always thought. You mean that that's not, uh, are you kidding me? This is not good. And, and then you see what he says. And to become like God, you begin to say what he says. You say, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to testify of that same thing. Since God says that he is light and in him there is darkness, since God says that all men are sinners and they need a Savior, then that's what I'm going to witness and testify to other people so that they will come out of that darkness and into his marvelous light. And we begin to, to learn by getting in the word prayer and fellowship with one another what God actually says. How can I tell you about God if I don't know who he is. See, I can believe that there's a Savior. That's turning on the light switch in my heart. I can believe that he's going to chase away all the darkness and that he forgives me of all of my sin. But how do I tell others who he is if I don't have a relationship with him? And so you have the Spirit of God who comes in and seals you, performs maybe this wedding ceremony, if you will, 
puts authority back in your life, gives you a, a light to, to go through the scriptures with, that to confirm what he's saying to you, because God's character never changes, to reveal to you the knowledge of who God is and what he's always done, what he's doing and what he's going to do. And as you say, I agree with that. My spirit agrees with your spirit uh, that these things are true. And now, Lord, will you give me the power to follow them, to obey them, to live according to them? And not only that, but to, to tell others. To tell others. Listen, again, it's Psalms 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet. Listen, listen, a lamp to my feet. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The word is shining right on my walk, on my feet, on my heart, and tells me that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And I say, whoa. Maybe not exactly like that, but could have been a lot louder. And then the word tells me that there's no Savior except for Jesus. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. And no one comes to the Son unless the Father draws them by shining light and saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then when you see that lamp that right on your feet, you go, Now what? Well, it's a light to your path. Now I, my path has been all over the place. Whatever I thought, whatever I felt, whatever the world told me. And, and now the light is shining out. Listen to me, because when I look out on the path of what's going on tomorrow, sometimes way up there it looks obscure, it looks dark. But I know God's with me because the light is on my feet. And the path is looking better because I can follow that way just to where his beam of light is showing. Listen to me, this is really good stuff. And so I can walk by faith. Trusting his light, even though it looks obscure or dark up there. Because I know that there's no obscurity. There's no darkness in him. So as I keep walking this way, it's always going to be bright. If I'm living according and having fellowship with him. If I'm listening to his word, I'll always be in the light. But you know what? I can sit. I can turn that light switch off. And what is, what is darkness, really? When you're looking at these analogies here, darkness is the absence of light. So evil is the absence of God. Evil is the absence of God because he's pure light. He's holy. So when you have evil there, you have the absence of God. He's not being allowed. That's why this world is so evil. It's only to sway the wicked one because we're taking God out of it. And it creates this dark, evil world that's only to an authority or a system or a government of the devil. And we have to choose which authority, which government we're going to be under. And we can choose the wrong one if we're not walking in the light. But when we walk in the light, as he is in the light. Remember, this is the message he gave us. Look back at 1.5. This is the message which we heard from him and declare to you. The message has not changed. You know what? The word of God never changes. The message that we are to present to a dying world to cast light into darkness, it never changes. Methods can change. The method in which we do it can change. The music can change. But the Word of God never changes. He's always the same. This is what, and we declare it. We're witnesses that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Remember we talked about where's the calculator? There's no darkness. There's no obscurity. There's no shadiness. 
So therefore, in the light, there's absolutely no darkness. But in the darkness, there's no light. But you turn on that switch. You say, I believe. I want to have fellowship with you, Lord. That, I, I heard that truth. And he says, if we say that we have fellowship, all things in common with him, and then we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have all things in common with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sins. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, I want you to notice that these words are all used interchangeably. Light. His truth, his word is the same thing. They're all the same thing because Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It's interchangeable. And there's no darkness. There's no lie in Christ. So then he says in verse 9, and this is the bar of soap, how you wash yourself. If you believe in Jesus, the Spirit comes in and seals you. Now positionally, you have all things in common with God. Perfect fellowship has been restored because of his righteousness. That's what the blood does. If we confess or agree, if we say the same things about our sin, that it's sin. Did we, remember, did we do this, harmatea? It's an archery term. Perfection is what the target is, the bullseye. Perfect, perfection. Never messing up. Never doing anything wrong that's out of the glory of God. It's a bullseye that we have to hit. And every time we pull back and we shoot at it, our arrows fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus has hit the, the target every single time. Perfect righteousness. And if we believe in him, then we get that righteousness. If we say the same thing about it, when dark, his light shines in our darkness, you know, you're living life and all of a sudden you're doing something because everybody else is doing it. And he says, that's darkness. That's evil. That's sin. That's not for you. Now listen to me. This is why it's a personal relationship. It, it's not the letter of the law. It's the spirit of the law. There could be something that God says specifically to you. It's not something you preach to somebody else. It's not something you make somebody else do. But he can say it specifically to you. I don't want you doing this. Right? And to you it would be sin because God said it specifically to you. The Spirit of God is speaking today. He's using the Word of God today. And it doesn't mean that it's doctrinally for everybody or it's something that He specifically says to everybody. That's why it's a personal relationship. Me and my wife have a personal relationship. And I said, honey, I don't want you doing this. And she said, okay. See how easy that is? This is the way you agree together. We say the same thing together. It keeps all those other things out of your relationship that shouldn't be there. It keeps all that strife out of there if you listen to the authority of your life. It always will remove, and the authority always goes back to God. So when we say the same thing with him, what is he faithful to do? Just automatically forgive, cast it as far as the east is from the west, are missing the mark, and then to cleanse us from all unrighteousness because every time listen it's a process it, it, it's a process every time you say the same thing that he says about it now you can move on to the next thing and you say the same it doesn't mean that something won't come back up and you won't do it again but our hearts are supposed to be moving toward obeying perfectly that's the mark if the mark is Christ and to be like Christ then the finish line is looking like Christ where we perfectly have 
been able by the power of the Holy Spirit through the direction and instruction of the Word of God, the prescription, if you will, we begin to move our heart toward always saying the same thing that he says about everything. Think about it this way for a minute. I like to say this a lot of times because people go to college and they get educations and they, they listen to people and they want to be, let's, say, let's just say, let's just say, let's a, a respiratory therapist. And you go to school and you spend all that money and you become a respiratory therapist and you go to the hospital and you get a job and you don't want to say the same thing that they're saying about lungs. How's it going to end? It's going gonna, it's gonna to end bad. If you don't say the same thing, you're not really a respiratory therapist that's following the instructions of other respiratory therapists. And you're not going to have fellowship with the people that work with you because they're going to be like, okay, now here comes Susie, and she's a real, and Susie, if your name's Susie, don't be offended. Here comes Susie, and she doesn't agree what we agree, that we should be using the oxygen. Like, you know, you're going to have all these things that interrupt your life, and it's the same thing with God. Oh, I believe in God. Well, how come you're not saying the same thing God says? You believe in God. You're having fellowship with God. You're living for God. You're a Christian. There it is. There it is. Because everybody says they're a Christian. Really? Well, they were first called Christians in Antioch because they were Christ-like, which is the purpose of salvation so that we'll be conformed into the image of God. And we cannot say what we want to say in our own conceits, in our own way, if we really are going to be Christians. Because that's not saying the same thing. That's not confessing. That's not in agreement. See, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're in perfect agreement. They say the same thing all the time about everything. They're doing the same thing in the redemption of souls, the reconciliation of souls. Everything that they do is all about you and me. Not for them. They don't change when you confess your sin. Did you know that? God doesn't change one bit when you confess your sin. It doesn't change the character of God. What it does is write the relationship that you have with the light. If you have sin and you're walking in darkness, you turn off the light switch. You quench and grieve and insult the Holy Spirit of promise who is actually washing and cleansing you. But when you say, wait a minute, this is wrong. I shouldn't be doing this. And you turn the light back on, you allow the Holy Spirit to continue to purify you. We have, I, I do carpet cleaning, flood restoration, uh, upholstery. And we had this sofa that we cleaned and, and we messed it up. Uh, the material turned brown. And so we know a couple things we can do. We tried those things. We brought the whole sofa back to the shop. We're working on it. We're like, what in the world? It's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. So we call the expert, and the expert, one of the first things he said was, set it in the sunlight. The refiner's fire, sun, will, will take out dark from light. And that's, and that's what it does. I mean, that's, that's how people, well, they used to hang their laundry on the line, and it, and it makes the, the colors look brighter and the white look better. Son, listen to me. You have to turn the light on. You say you don't have any joy in your salvation. You say you, you, you're walking in with God, and yet you got the light switch turned off. You're not in the word prayer and fellowship. You don't have any light. These words are all used interchangeably. Light is good. Light is God. Light is truth. Light is the word of God. The commandments, the precepts, they're all the same thing. They're all one. They're all in unity to be here to cleanse you, to direct you, to instruct you. And when I say you, I'm, I'm, I'm included. It's us, the church, the people of God. 
So we cannot say that we are having fellowship with God and not say the same thing. It's not koinonia fellowship. Oh, I know he exists. But I disagree with him on this point. Uh, I don't think God would say this in 2021. See, these are all bad statements. God's not changing. His word is just as applicable when he spoke and said, let there be light as it is today. It's never changed. He's still God. He's the unchanging one. He's the ancient of days. And you can apply his word today the same way they did in the garden. It's always that fellowship, that all things in common. See what happened in the garden? Are you guys with me here yet? Adam and Eve. They were having perfect fellowship, koinonia fellowship in the garden with God, their creator, until somebody come in and said, come here, come here. He's holding out on you. You know that if you eat from this tree here that he's telling you not to eat from, you're going to be like him. You're going to know the difference between the knowledge of good and evil. So another authority was allowed to take over in Eve's life. Another word, another light that had shadiness and obscurity to it. It looked good, but it wasn't good. It looked like light, but it was darkness. It looked like it was good for her, but it was evil. And you know what she had to do? All she had to do was the same thing Jesus did in Matthew 4. Shine the light back on his feet. When the devil come and said, If you're the Son of God, turn this stone into bread. After he'd been fasting 40 days. What did he say? He quoted Deuteronomy 8. And he said, It is written, Shine the lamp on his feet, on his walk, on his heart. And he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And he was able to defeat that other authority, that other government, that other voice that was trying to speak into his life and remain perfect, remain sinless. And he gives us an example of how to turn the light switch on. Don't just listen to any voice. There is a voice. Don't just listen to any truth. There is the truth. And in that relationship, you grow in the knowledge of God. And you need the knowledge or you'll follow a lying voice. You'll follow a lie. You can be washed and cleansed. You become more like him. And, of course, he ended with it. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Again, his light is not in us. His truth is not in us. His word is not in us. Watch how the words all work together because God is our all in all. He's everything. He is those things. Psalms 119, 105. Excuse me, Psalms 119, 9, 10, and 11. How can a young man cleanse his way? See, we're talking about being cleansed. We're talking about washing away the darkness by turning on the light, getting rid of all the obscurity and the shadiness and the gray. A lot of people say, that, well, it's a gray area in the Bible. No, in God is light, and there is no gray. There is no shadow of shifting. There is nothing other than light, perfect light. He dwells in perfect light. So we can't say, oh, I'm not sure if that's God or not God. He wants you to know how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Well, how do I do that? With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not turn from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that what? I might not sin against you. 
See, it's clear. It's his word. It's his truth. But what do we do? You and I, just like Eve, we want to hear what somebody else has to say. That's called double-mindedness. James calls it double-mindedness. Well, the word of God says, thou shall not. Eh, I don't know if I like that. Let's see if there's a way we can skirt this a little bit. Let's go over here and listen to some other counsel. And we go over here and we're double-minded. When we know God's light is turn on the switch and we kind of go, wait a minute, block that light a little bit so I can try to figure out a way to get through with this and get away with this, then we're not really doing what God called us to do, and that is to be washed and cleansed and our body, soul, and spirit be sanctified and not just our spirit. See, the spirit is perfect. Listen to me. It's married to Christ. Positionally, it's perfect. But what about your mind? What about your thoughts? What about your feet and your actions? Those things... We can just turn the light switch off and go, I'm going to go run around and sin for a little bit. And we listen to another authority. We listen to another government, the devil's government of lies. We walk in darkness. And the Bible says, if you do that, you lie. If you do that, you're a liar. Because our hearts were set free. Listen, the penalty was paid for by the precious blood of Jesus. The power of death has been taken. And now we're set free to have fellowship in the light as he is in the light. And we can have joy. So when we choose, it's a choice just like Eve made. We're choosing. Turn that switch off for a minute so God won't see it. But he sees it. He sees it all. But what you're choosing is to say, I disagree with you, God. And right now, this is fun for a season. I'm going to do it. And that's a dangerous place to be because our hearts should be set up on following God. When you hide his word, now listen again, well, let's use them all together. You hide his word, you hide his light, you hide his truth. Let's go to commandment. You hide his commandment. And then there's specific commandments which are called precepts. Commandments, general precepts. When we begin to do that, you're standing then in the truth of God. You're standing with the light on. You're trying to have fellowship with God. Is that your motivation today? To have fellowship with God because you know you've been set free? To walk in the love of God because He first loved us? To walk in the light as He is in the light? See, because if we don't have joy in our salvation, if we're not having freedom in our salvation, if we're not walking forward, growing in the knowledge of God, we're choosing to leave the light switch off. We're choosing to fellowship in darkness and obscurity because the truth is right before us. He loves us. He died. And many of us will say, okay, I believe he died. Wait a minute. Do you believe that he wants you to walk in the light as he is in the light? Do you believe that he's faithful and just to forgive you? Do you believe that sanctification is possible and that you're supposed to be endeavoring to move forward? See, because we become this lazy, need to be careful here. Lazy, complacent Christians who practice culturanity and says, well, because of the grace of God, I can just ask for forgiveness later. And that's not true Christianity. If we stumble and fall, deceived by the devil and trip with a bait stick, a trap stick, that's one thing. But when we say, it's okay, it's no big deal. All the church is doing it. 
then we're listening to a lie. We're choosing to follow the government of the devil because we are saved and set free to follow Jesus. He's going to say it in the text, to walk as he walked. Not partially, but just as he walked. And the power's there. The penalty's been taken. The power of sin has been taken. So that we can be in the presence of God because of the blood of Jesus and have fellowship with him and enjoy every bit of that and be a witness to stand, if you will. Me and my son was talking about it this week. Listen, this is a big courtroom. And what do you do in a courtroom? You have a judge. You have a jury. We're going to see here you have an advocate. That's your lawyer, your lay advocate. It's Jesus. You have a prosecutor that is accusing you all the time about turning that switch off and listening to his counsel. Isn't that amazing? He says, turn the switch off and listen to me. You turn the switch off and listen to him. You know what he does? Look what he's doing. Look what he's doing. And he tells on you. Because he's the prosecutor. He's not really a Christian. He's not really living for you. He's not really fellowshipping in the light. And then Jesus, your lay applicant, raises his hands and says, look, he's mine. He's covered in the blood. And the judge says, not guilty. But what are you supposed to be doing? You're supposed to be standing. You ever take the witness stand? You ever go to jury? It's, it's pretty scary, really, to be in a courtroom. To be dealing with people's lives. You take the stand. You're supposed to be standing. Well, what do you mean? Standing in the victory. Well, what do you do while you stand? You tell everybody else about what you, what you saw. Your testimony. You're being a witness. The only thing you can see is the light. I'm telling you about the light. Why? Because this is the message that was declared. What you have heard and seen and handled concerning the words of life. That's what we're supposed to be talking about. Not darkness, but light. Why? Because that's the only way to reconcile souls. But what happens? In the church, we're focused on sin. The devil gets us focused on that which we did, which he caused, but we've been set free from by the blood of Jesus. Now I'm over here looking because he's accusing me, but really there's no guilt and shame in life. It's been set free. So now I'm free to run, no matter what. I, I, I confess it. He's washed me. He's cleansed me. I'm not giving you permission to sin. I'm saying don't focus on the sin. Don't stay focused on the sin. Focus on the light. You're not going to fellowship in light if you're focused on the sin because you're going to be like, I uh, can't get near God. If I turn the light back on, it's going to be trouble. He's going to recognize what he already knew what you was doing. It's not permission to sin. God forbid that we would not give people permission to sin because Christ has died for our sin. But you're standing in the courtroom giving witness of the light. Giving witness of the message of Jesus Christ who died. His blood spilled. He was in the grave three days. He rose again. And your testimony should line up with your life. You're standing. Or are you? Are you giving testimony? And we talked about it. You can look at James 4.17, and then we'll come back to chapter 2 of 1 John. But we talked about this last week. It's not just sin that you're focused on. See, because sin can be in your life, in your personal relationship, just what God has asked you to do, and you're not doing it. Are you with me? Remember we talked about last week, sins of commission? 
That's your sin that you always focused on. You're like, oh, my goodness, I done went and said it again. I done went and did it again. I done went there again. And that's commission. I committed it. But there's sins of omission. James 4.17. Him that knows to do good and does not do it, it is sin to him. And you know to do good because we're in the light. We're in the word. We're being told to go to all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that I commanded you. We're being told to go out and deliberately be a witness and make disciples and tell others of this light. And yet we say, nah, it's sin of omission. Not to do, uh, be in the word, prayer, and fellowship, carry one another's burdens, all these things, wash one another's feet, keep my commandments, and we omit to do them and think that we're okay with God. Because all we're dealing with is the sin, the light switch. What about the walk? What about the fellowship? What about have all things in common where he's saying, if, if you're in the light and you're having all things in common with me, I died to save the world. I came and spoke a message of the kingdom of God and how to be reconciled. And you're omitting that, church. You're not doing that, church. All you're doing is fighting with me because the sin's already been paid for, so you're wrestling with me all week long. And you're omitting to stand and be a witness and give testimony about what Christ has done. That's the only thing the world needs to hear is the word of God, the commandments. Remember it, Remember what commandment means? It's an authoritative prescription. That's what commandment means. It's an authoritative prescription. Well, well really? Whose authority? Jesus. All authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Go and make disciples. Well, what should I do? Hand out the prescription. The only thing that's a prescription for life and godliness is the word of God. Why should I do that? Because everybody's listening to the government of the devil. Everybody's out there scared, listening to fear. Everybody's out there listening to the lies. And the only one that can deliver the truth is the one who knows Jesus, the one who's in the light with Jesus, the one who's standing in the courtroom and saying, nope, not going to believe that because God said. And that's the only ones that are going to be persecuted and the only ones that's going to die for what they believe in because if you don't have a personal relationship with God, you're going to give in to the government of the devil and you're going to follow what they say. You're going to do what they say because you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit and the light turned on because you've quenched the Holy Spirit, grieved the Holy Spirit, insult the Holy Spirit. The Bible says you can lie to the Holy Spirit. I believe in Jesus. Really, what do you believe? The demons believe and they tremble because they know they have an appointed day for judgment where they will be cast into the abyss. If we know the word of God, we should know that the devil's time is short and that we've been called to stand in the courtroom and be a witness. The word, the word there is martus. It comes from martus. It means one who dies for their faith. That's what a witness is. So in other words, I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to change my mind. What I believe doesn't matter anymore. I'm going to agree with what God is saying about who I am, what the blood of Jesus does, what eternity carries. I'm going to believe him just by faith. And that lamp is on my feet, and I'm just going to start walking forward telling people. And I know that he's going to be there because he said he would never leave me nor forsake me. I mean, think about it. We do that with college. 
We do that with a job. Hey, I had a job interview, got me a new job. What happened? They told me to show up Monday morning. Well, I'm going to go there then. What, really? Why? Because you believe the job is there, because you believe they're going to pay you for doing a job, making some widgets. Why can't we do it with God? Why can't we believe what He said, what He's done, and walk forward and obey? Because we're going to get a paycheck at the end of at the end of the time. We're going to get a paycheck for what we've done in the body, for what we believe, for the light we've walked in. But we keep turning the light switch off and walking in darkness. Did you guys go to four seventeen of James? Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, it is sin to him. That's the sin of omission. See, everything that we've been called to do now is to stand and be a witness and give testimony of Jesus Christ. This is the message we should be declaring to people. And as you do it, the light gets brighter and brighter. As you do it, as you agree, he's going to cleanse you and cleanse you and cleanse you. And your mind is going to be more like Christ every day. More like Christ every day, where it becomes your nature, because you have a new nature, you're a new creation. It becomes who you are. I mean, listen to me, the same thing happens in school. The same thing happens in college. The same thing happens on the job. What do you mean? I have never done this before. Well, here, let me show you how to do it. You turn this button on, you do this, you do that, and you begin to do what they show you, and you become an expert at it. So that the next guy that comes into the plant, you show them how to do it. It's called discipleship. It's called following authority. It's called listening to the instructions. But we're not very good at it. At least I'm not. So now back in our text, it's 1 John chapter 2. That was a long introduction. Who did that? My little children, 2-1. Now, see, he's continuing the same message here. He's still talking about washing and cleansing. He's saying, don't call God a liar. My little children, my little born-again ones, these things I write to you so that you may not sin, or sin not, King James. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is our propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought to himself also walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. I'm going to stop there because I don't like their chapter separations, so... Father, speak to us clearly. Pour out your spirit upon us. Baptize us afresh and anew. And give us a desire to stand and be witnesses for you. For your glory. For such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen. 
my little born-again ones. Now listen, he's speaking to children. We're all in the same family. He's a, remember we talked about he's this grandpa figure in Ephesus. He's the, he's the, uh, 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 the pastor there, and he's writing this to, to, it's not addressed to anybody, but he's writing it to everybody. And God is using it by the Holy Spirit down the corridors of time to you and me. Little born-again ones, don't stay babes. Listen, i got to bring this in here because, see, the church wants to be little born-again ones. It's kind of like, I'm, I'm mommy's favorite. Yeah, but you're 35. Turn loose of her arm and her apron strings and grow up already. Do you see what I'm saying? It, little born-again ones is where you start at. It's not where you finish at. We're supposed to grow, and if we're not, there's a problem. Little born-again ones, these things I write to you. Another reason why he writes, that you may not sin. Notice he does not say cannot sin. So you have a choice. Hi, Adam. Hi, Eve. We're having perfect fellowship. Isn't it great? You're naming the animals. You guys are wonderful. But you have a choice. I put one tree here that you're not allowed to eat from, and all the rest you can freely eat from. He did not say you cannot. You have free will. You have a light switch. You can walk in the light and have joy. You can get into the word prayer fellowship. You can go and learn to obey, or you can choose not to. But the reason he's writing, look at it, is that you may not sin. You would not choose to sin. Your choice would be to be in fellowship with God so that your joy would be full, that your fellowship was not interrupted. But if anyone does sin... If anyone sins, misses the mark, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus the Christ, the righteous, the only one that's ever been righteous. He give us his righteousness. It's interesting that the word advocate here is paracletus. Paracletus, it's used as the helper in other parts of the Bible. The para, one who comes alongside to help. We have a helper, we have a lay advocate, we have a lawyer, we have a defender, we have someone. If you sin, the Holy Spirit convicts you. If you sin, the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the Spirit of Christ, looking for my word list, sorry, (coughs) excuse me, you have an advocate, a comforter four times, advocate one time. He's an intercessor. He's a, he's a consoler. He's one that comes alongside to counsel you, to protect you. It means one who pleads another's case before a judge. Isn't that interesting? An advocate. Anybody been a court-appointed special advocate, CASA. You advocate for the children. You're there for their interest because they can't speak. An advocate. That's where that comes from. Don't Listen to me. Everything in the Bible is a courtroom. And then next week I'll say, everything in the Bible is a marriage. And then the following week I'll say, everything in the Bible is about a barnyard because you're a bunch of sheep. And then next week I'll say, but see, it's really all about God. And if he uses that analogy, you can trace that analogy and it works perfectly. It always works perfectly. In Ephesians, you were the body of Christ. 
Here we're little born-again ones, and we individually have a personal relationship, and we individually have to turn on the light and have fellowship with the light. But then we put our fellowship and everything that he's showing us in the light together to be a witness for Christ. You're little born-again ones. I love that. Isn't that endearing? Doesn't that mean you're going to sit in his lap? He loves us so much, he gave us his most prized possession. And, and, and if you sin, it's not that you can't sin. You can choose to say no and turn the light off and grieve and quench and salt and lie to the Holy Spirit. In fact, you can stay there. You can practice sin. But we're supposed to be walking in the light, not practicing sin, not practice walking in the darkness. It's a litmus test. Listen, it's a litmus test. We're going to see in verse 3, but we're not there yet. The righteous one, the advocate, our lawyer, if we mess up, if we fall short, if we omit to do what he's called us to do, or if we commit what he says clearly in the commandments that we shouldn't do, we can just say, you know what, I agree, God. I agree that that was wrong. I confess. And now I'm going to say the same thing. That was wrong. And he washes and cleanses us. Or you can stay with the light switch off and continue to walk in that darkness. And many do. Many do. They have sin in their life. They have sin they're practicing. They know it's wrong, but they've been lied to and they've been told that I said a prayer. So it's okay if I practice this darkness. It's okay if I live in this place. And you know what happens after a while? The devil puts a blinder on your eyes and God hardens your heart and you stay in that sin and you can't get out of it. You're trapped in it. So the best thing to do is never open the bag. The best thing to do is to confess it really quick. Talk with God about it. Notice, too, he says, and he himself, Jesus the Christ, that our advocate, is the propitiation for our sins, for all our missing the mark, past, present, and future, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Are you kidding me? He died for the whole world? Yes. But the whole world won't choose to turn on the light. The whole world won't choose to receive and believe and then have fellowship and then obey. There are those that say that he didn't die for the whole world. I mean, this is clear. He died for the whole world. He fully satisfied. What is it, propitiation? It's, it's the word atonement. Now, if you take the word atonement and break it into the three pieces that it is, it says at one meant with God. It brings you at one again, in union, in perfect fellowship with God again. I know it's not in your dictionary, but at one is atonement. It's been atoned for. All the, 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 the wrath of God in the blood of Jesus has been atoned for. And now you're at one with God again positionally. 
And practically, we have to choose to fellowship in that light and walk in the light as he is in the light and continue to allow him to cleanse our body and our mind, will, and emotion, our soul, because our spirit is perfect. It's married to God. Now, that's the practice of the saint for the rest of your life. Until he perfects us, which is when we see him face to face. Remember we talked about this before. God is light, and if he showed us his light, we'd just fall down dead. Well, if he showed us all your darkness, you'd fall down dead. You'd just say there's no use. And that's the way some people do it. I've, I've witnessed to people, people I love dearly, and they say stuff like, you don't know what I've done in life. They say stuff like, uh, there's no way. There's maybe, maybe it's working for you, but there's no hope for me. And I did this or I did that. And they believe that there's some sin that the blood of Jesus doesn't cover. That's their choice. Because God says he paid for all the sins of the world. He atoned for. He, his blood was perfect for every sin ever committed by mankind. That forgiveness can be given. But you have to choose to believe that truth and walk forward and receive it. The whole world, the orderly arrangement, he's satisfied with Christ. He's satisfied with that propitiation. Believe me, there's nowhere you can go that the love of God can't reach you. Think about it. Turn on light. You turn on a light, it reaches all the darkness in the room. You don't go, man, I turned on the light, and over in that corner, there's a little bit of darkness. Whew. Gone. Scatters them cockroaches, too, if you've ever been in that type of a situation. Makes them little demons run. Light. Verse 3. Now, by this we know. Don't we want to know now? Listen to me. We want to know now. You do not want to know when you get to the throne room. You want to know now. You want to show up unashamed because of the blood of Jesus. You do not want to say, well, I thought I was okay. Well, Greg said. Well, the preacher on TV said. Listen to me. You want to know right now. Now, by this we know, litmus test, plumb line, understanding that we know. Do you know that you know? What? Him, the advocate, Jesus the Christ, the one who is the propitiation and the atoning sacrifice for your sins. By this we know. I want to know. I want to know. That's the gnoskos. You know it experientially, but you don't just know it. You grow in it. He's, it's inexhaustible. God's ways are not our ways. It's impossible just to know God. And go, I know him. Think about that with your wife, your spouse. We got married and all of a sudden we both woke up with bad breath and I found out who I married. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That's why marriage is such hard work. Marriage is not a I love you. Boy, grow up. And some of you have. Some of you will. Some of you do. We're getting ready to celebrate 24 years. First year was bad and the second was worse. Believe me, because she needed Jesus. She needed washed and cleansed. She needed to be fellowship in the light. 
She's not in the room, so I could say all those nice things about her. But I needed it too. And that's my testimony. If you was ever around us early on, it was, I, you need Jesus. I already knew what I was doing. My testimony can still be that sometimes. I still think I'm okay, and I need to turn a light switch on and go, dude, you got egg on your face. And not just me, but Christians in Texas also need to do that because we don't arrive anywhere. It's inexhaustible. You know God, and you go, wow, I'm saved. I used to hug people and scare them to death. And they go, what's wrong with that guy? He got saved. He was happy to be in the church. And then I kind of calmed down a little bit because I was scaring people. They wouldn't come back because I'd hug them and snap their backs. They were going, I've been trying to pop that for months, dude. I'm serious. I am serious. I am not joking one bit. I thought everybody was saved like me. Only to find out that through the next few weeks to months to years that they were gone. And they weren't really walking in the light. And I'm not trying to brag about anything that I've done. It's what God has done in fellowship with his light. When you get into the word, prayer, and fellowship, and you just go, you know what? I'm hanging on for dear life. But I'm not going to shut up. Because I know what he saved me from. I'm not going to shut up. Even, even if I just sinned and blowed it, I'm not going to shut up. I'm going to keep testifying of what I know and what I'm growing and going and knowing more every day as you read the Word of God. You don't just, I, I had a buddy that said, oh, I read that. Really? And you didn't want to read it no more? You must have done it in the flesh. You didn't do it for God. You did it because you wanted to know what was in there. Listen, he wants to show you what's in your heart. You want to know his heart? He hung on a cross. He loved you. There's his heart. He gave everything. And so often we give nothing. So often we, you know, we stay home because it's raining. Well, I, one person parked in my parking spot last week. You kidding me? Jesus is in your grave. He died for you. You're worried about your seat in your parking lot or some other little bitty simple thing? Grow up. Be little born again ones like always. John really believed that he was the disciple that Jesus loved because he fellowshiped in the light. And you will feel like you're God's favorite if you do that. But you also will grow up and mature and you will know when you're not God's favorite, you need to turn the light switch back on and confess it and agree with him and get right. But don't ever stop telling people the truth. You can be a witness even when you're not doing the right thing yourself. How many times I heard people say, well, I can't really speak to that because I've never been through that. Really? Did you ever die? You ever been buried in a grave for three days? That's the very message we've been given to talk about. You know, I can't talk about it because I've never been there. The Word of God gives you light to speak to every situation. You're not talking about what you know. You're talking about who you know. You're presenting that message to a world. I'm sorry if I get a little excited. I wish we had more excitement in the pulpit. I'm not picking on any teachers. I know a lot of good teachers that are, they just stand there and talk. And there's no inflection in their voice. And they do a great job. 
but I can't talk about what I've heard and seen and handled and not get a little bit excited because I don't deserve it. By this, we know that we know, and I wish they would get rid of the pronoun, Jesus. If, oh, there's that word again, we, personal, keep, guard, protect his commandments. Really? If you love me, keep my commandments, he said. Now listen, here I want to, I, I was talking with another buddy of mine, and, I, and again, you need this fellowship. Come on Friday night, we'll talk about the scriptures. You need fellowship with other people that are talking about scriptures. They're testifying about scriptures. They're reasoning together about scriptures, not football games and all that stuff. And I'm not saying that you're going to go to hell for watching a football game, but who are you reasoning in the scriptures with? And my buddy, he's, he's a King James only, so... And I have nothing against King James only. I was just talking about it. I got two King James. I got about 20 King James. But I got two of them that I leave in places specifically so that I can grab a hold of them and pick them up and say, what does it say in the King James? And do you guys know this? And just listen, because this is very important right now. And he said that. And he, because he's reading in the King James all the time, it actually struck him. And the Holy Spirit uncovered it. You know that in the Bible, in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, it says, but these three abide. Faith, hope, and charity. Oh, no, your Bible says love. See, that's how they can take love and destroy it in the streets. That's how they can take the word love and destroy it, but charity is totally different. You know how many people are so proud that they won't accept charity? I don't accept charity. Now, 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 let's talk to people about this free gift that is charity, where they didn't even know they were hungry and he gave them bread. It's charity. Use the word charity. And I thought, man, that's a great idea. I think I'll preach that this week. Charity, not love, but charity, because you know what? There takes some humility. It takes some dying to your pride. It takes some changing your mind. It takes agreeing with what he's doing and receiving that charity and saying, you know, that was charity. I don't have anything to give of myself. All I have is what I've been given that I need to give to others because I've come to know that everything he does is perfect. That's real love. Agape love, but charity is a world that realizes that we have nothing. We're dead broke. We're dying. We're in a tomb. We're going to die. And he come and took our place. And it wasn't nothing that we did. It was all charity because there was nothing good in us. But we are such proud people. We will not accept charity. Now, I'll go work. Now, I'll do this and thus and the other thing and all my work I can do. And God will give me heaven. No, he won't. You do all the work you want. You ain't getting into heaven in your works. You ain't getting into heaven in your witness. And you ain't getting into heaven for nothing you do except believing in your heart. And if you believe that in your heart, then you are going to go out and work. You're going to go out and witness. You're going to go out and do something because you know him. And you know where you were going and what was going on in your life. By this, we know him if we have a heart to keep his commandments. If we have no heart to keep his commandments and we think it's okay that if we just do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want, whether it's omission or commission, it's a wrong gospel. And John will tell us that. And this John means the grace of God. The grace of God will tell us that we can't say we know God experientially 
that we're growing experientially, coming to know Him more and more every day if we just choose to do whatever we want, whenever we want, in our own conceits, in our own desires, in our own ways. Because, see, listen, when you're bought with the blood of Jesus, your life is not your own. You no longer get to do what you want to do, but you begin to do what He's called you to do. And if you're not, it's the sin of omission because you're not doing what God said to do. But if you fellowship in the light as he is in the light, you come to know him, your relationship grows, you have a personal love relationship, not a relationship that somebody taught you through religion, not a relationship that somebody taught you uh, in culturanity, but you've spent time walking in the pages of this Bible. You spent time on your face in prayer, and you spend time in fellowship with his people and with him because of who he is, not because of what you want to do. Wish I had a dollar for every time I heard somebody say, I don't want to do that. Really? I'm talking about in the church. I'm not talking about on the job or someplace else, which is, might be even a, a, an easy thing to say. But as a saint, we don't have the prerogative to say, I don't want to do that. It's what is God calling me to do? What has God asked me to do? What has he given me to put my hands to? What kind of talents and abilities and resources has he given me? And, and then we begin to use them for his glory. It's not a whether you want to or not. You're dead. Last time I checked, when I shook a casket, the dead man didn't get up. He didn't say nothing because I was shaking his casket. He just laid there. Commandments. Keep his commandments. Keep his prescriptions. And I told you guys this before because I love this because, you know, they're, they're trying to deceive us with pharmacy. And uh, the Bible actually testifies of that. You can look at it yourself. Revelation 18.23. The sorcery is the same word. Pharmakia. Witchcraft. But. You know how many times will we go to the doctor. And the doctor give us a prescription. And you know we get up daily. We buy little packages. We make sure we take that prescription. Every single day. And I'm not against that. As long as it's something you're supposed to be on and you've talked to God about it and you feel good about it and God said, go ahead and take that. But you ran it through the light. You didn't just go into darkness and go, oh, no, I'm scared to death. I'm going to do what man says. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm being a little facetious, but I'm being serious here. And we will take that pill, that medicine, maybe sometimes people with 30 pills. And I'm not picking on you if you got 30 pills. We do it religiously. But then when God says, you know that you know me, here's how you know that you know me, is if you will keep my commandments, have a heart to keep my commandments. Listen, I'm not, none, of us can, none of us can keep his commandments perfectly. That's why Christ did it for us. He already knew that. But do you care about keeping them? Do you think it's okay just to break them? That it's, that's no big deal. It didn't cost nothing. It costed the blood of Jesus. And we're supposed to be disciplined. Part of being a disciple is the word disciplined. That we began to sow into our life by the power of the Holy Spirit, because of the Word of God, because of the blood of Jesus, we began to be disciplined about how we're obeying the Word of God 
And, and, and when we sin, we've got an advocate, we've got, a, we've got a counselor, we've got somebody that will go, now listen, this is what happened. You were going this way, and your eyes seen this, and that, that was a bait stick, and, and it tripped you, and you stumbled. So next time when you're going that way, don't look over there. Don't do that. And the counselor begins to teach us how we're being tripped up, how the devil's lying to us, the counsel that we're listening to, the light that we should walk in, and it's not obscure. It becomes perfect light. Because that's who God is. You know, the world knows this. I was laughing about it because I, you know, you just hate it sometimes, the secular music that's in your brain. You just hate it. All I need to hear is a couple little notes, and I'm like, ah! Drives me crazy. And then we got all these Christians that still want to listen to secular music. And it's from the devil. But I was, I, I shared with you about uh, Mick Jagger. And him being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But he started out going to be a pastor. So he bit his tongue. And he wrote that song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. Well, there's another song that he wrote that's called Paint It Black. Paint It Black. And there's a line in there that says, I watch the girls walk by in their summer clothes. I have to turn my head until my darkness goes. I mean, that's a biblical concept that if you're looking at, and that's why I said, if you see this and this is how he trips you up and it's always going like that, then you know what's going to trip you up. You should be looking the other way. You should be putting blinders on and even the world will sing about it like it's a mockery or something. And then all of a sudden it's all painted black and there's no light. So you don't have to turn your head anymore. You, can, you don't have to wink at sin. You don't have to run from sin because it's all okay. It's okay to just do whatever you want. I said a prayer. I don't have to turn my head. I don't have to change my mind. I don't have to agree with God. I'll just paint it all black. No, there's a concept here that we need to wake up to. And we need to be not afraid to speak the truth in charity. Not in love. Let's say charity. Speak it in charity. Because see, if you think it's love not to tell somebody the truth, you've got a bad concept of love. But when you say speak the truth in charity, now you're understanding that they're dead broke. They don't understand. They're resisting it. They don't want it. They're not going to accept it. But it's your calling to be a witness to stand and tell them regardless of what they say or do. Until... You've decided that they're a pig or a swine because he tells you not to cast your pearls before swine. But do you know you have to judge them as a swine before you stop telling them the truth? I'm glad nobody judged me as a swine and they kept telling me the truth because I was a swine. I was unclean. I was living in darkness. And somebody still shared Jesus with me. Do you know that you know him? Well, here's the litmus test. Do you have a heart to be in fellowship with him? Do you have a heart to obey his commands? Do you mourn over sin? Do you fight? Do you turn your head until your darkness goes? Or where are you going to turn your head to? Turn your strength to God's strength. He who says, I know him and does not, Keep, guard, protect, 
witness, his commandments, his prescription is a liar, a falsifier. You know why? We talked about this the other day. You know, even in a courtroom, listen to me, you got a whole lot of people come in and perjure themselves. You got a whole lot of people that are not afraid to go, swear to, you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, not but the truth? I do, so help me God. You sit down and you lie your butt off. And that's the way most of the church lives. I'm not picking on the church, but we will lie our butts off. I like I ask people, are you reading your Bible? And they go, not as much as I should. That's a good answer now in the 2021. That's a good answer. That's what they're answering. Now, instead of no, we say not as much as I should. I just think that's funny. It's hilarious, actually. Got to answer the pastor correctly. Never mind. I digress. Listen, do you have a heart to fellowship with God? A heart to fellowship with God's people? A heart to fulfill the Great Commission? The Great Commission is not a suggestion. It's a commandment. It's the prescription for the church to hand out. Listen, this is a spiritual hospital also. People are dying and going to hell, and they need a doctor, the great physician, and his prescription is Jesus the Christ. His message is what you have seen and heard and handled. His message is going to come out of you when you fellowship in the light. He who says, I know him. Now listen, that word is, is, is growing. It's not just I, I experienced him and I, I, I said a prayer. I started the starting line. It's a growing knowing because you can't exhaust knowing God. No matter how much you grow every day, there's still more to know. I'll testify of it. 24 years later, I'm reading the scriptures and I'm like, this is in the Bible? And I read through the Bible every year. And I'm like, are you kidding me? See, God uncovers it when you need to know it as you grow, as he's washing and cleansing you. He doesn't show you all of his truth and all your darkness at once. He shows it to you as you need it and as you grow and as you go. He prepares you. That's called walking by faith. You do not keep his commandment is a liar. John, you're mean. The grace of God, though, listen, that's the advocate. The grace of God is telling us right now when we need to know it that if we're not looking to keep his commandments, if we're not looking to obey him, which is right in the Great Commission, then we are liars. Why is that important? I've been forgiven. No liar will inherit the kingdom of God. It's at least three places in the Bible, the people who will not inherit the kingdom of God because liars are from the devil. So we have to agree with God and say the same thing. I'm a liar. Agree with God. I'm a liar. I'm not doing what you called me to do, God. Can you help me to do what you called me to do? Help me to realign my life so that I'm being a witness because I understand now it's a courtroom. I understand I've been bought by the blood of Jesus. I understand the only priority I have first is to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and then my neighbor as myself. It's impossible to love your neighbor as yourself if you're not loving God and walking in the light and fellowshipping in the light. All you're going to do is echo and regurgitate stuff that you think sounds good instead of being led by the Spirit.
and the, he's a liar, and the truth is not in him. Now listen to me, because these words are all being used interchangeably. Remember, he used fellowship like salvation. Remember, he, he's, he's using here uh, the truth like salvation. The truth is not in you, because if the truth is not in you, you don't have salvation. If you don't desire to follow and obey, if you don't desire to know, to go, and to grow, then he's saying the truth is not in you. And the only way you can be saved is if the truth comes and lives in you, that applicant, that paracletus. So if we don't have a desire to go and obey, then we should ask God, what happened? I want that desire. Just have a conversation with him. Just say, listen, I need to know God. I don't want to know when I die. I want to know now because I sound like I'm spiritually dead since I'm still living my life in my own conceits, doing my will and not your will. I, I'm living like I'm dead in darkness. I'm just reading it and preaching it. That's all I'm doing. I, I'm not responsible. Don't cut my head off. I didn't do it. Five, whoever keeps his word, whoever guards it, whoever protects it, and it's to guard it from personal injury or loss, keeping your eye up on it. See, because there's a lot of people out there, see, they get mad at you if you say something about their teaching or about what they said about the word of God. If you correct them when they say something, you know, a lot of people like to say, uh, 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 well, money is the root of all evil. They say, oh, no, 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 the love of money is the root of all evil. When it takes your heart, oh, well, you know what I mean. No, 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 I was just correcting you. Listen to me. It's important that we protect and guard the truth because the truth won't be the truth for the next generation because people have been passing the torch, and what they've been passing is what somebody else said and not a relationship. They're not passing what the Bible says. We're passing what it feels good what keeps us at peace. We're passing along what works to keep us going, and we're dying. And that's why I call it culturanity. We need to be speaking the truth in charity, passing along charity because people need it, not because it feels good, not because you want to let them stay in their sin. They're going to go to hell if they stay in their sin. So true charity will speak to them even when it hurts them, even when they don't want to receive it, even when they might cut your head off for saying it. Because you know the rest of the testimony of God. Now listen, verse 5, this is the contrast. But whoever keeps, whoever guards, whoever preserves it, protects it, what? His word. Notice it's used interchangeably with commandment. In verse 3, he said, if you keep his commandment, here he said, whoever keeps his word. It's the same thing. Everything is the authoritative direction and prescription of God that's in the word. It's written for examples. It's written there to tell you what to do and what not to do, who he is and who he's not, how light is and how darkness is, how good is, how evil is. Every bit of it is the word of God. Every bit of it is if you know him, John 17, 3, that you know him and the father who sent him. It's all about growing in that relationship. It's all used interchangeably. All of these mean that you have true salvation. 
What's salvation? It means deliverance from the sin nature because you got a new nature. You're in a new family. You come into a new house. Now you have a new authority. You're no longer underneath the government of the devil, but you're underneath the authority of God and His Word. And He opened your eyes because you were living in darkness and He turned the light on. These are all used interchangeably. It's the same thing because He is our all in all. So whoever keeps and guards, and this is my heart, I want to do this. It doesn't mean to do it perfectly because you're going to stumble, you're going to fall, you're going to get tripped up, but you're learning to do it better every day. Not becoming sinless, but sinning less because you're walking in the light. You're fellowshipping in the light. You're, you're looking and saying, I want to obey. I want to be pleasing to God because he died for me. And it says this, what does it say? Truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Look at the litmus test. Sanctification, cleansing. If you're doing this, if your heart is toward, you're trying to protect, you're trying to keep, then what happens? Eventually it's going to be perfected. See, in Christ you're already perfect, positionally. But as you are continuing to do this by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be perfected practically. Sanctified is what we call it. You're being set apart, washed and cleansed, and looking like Christ. And the final, the finish line, that perfected, there's the finish line. That's the finish line. Perfected, it means to be complete, accomplish or consummate in character. To finish, to consecrate completely. You don't get there, you don't get halfway there and stop. Whoever got a crown or a reef or a reward, oh, never mind. Bad analogy because they give you one for showing up today. I'm sorry. It's it, that that's how you create a system that is not real. There's no reason to do anything if you're not competing for the crown. And that's the way of the world and the way of the church. We think we all get in regardless of what we do because God's a loving God. No, God has offered charity. If you humble yourself and receive it and allow him to provide for you, and then you do it his way on his planet, you'll be perfected, completed. He who says he abides, now look, there's the word abides. Come on now. In him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Now he's using the word abide. Just like he used commandments. Just like he used word. Just like he used fellowship. Just like he used keep. These are all the same. Abide is an abode. It's where you're living at. It's the place that you know you're in a new family. If you abide. John 15, 5. I am the vine, Jesus said. I am the vine. And you are the branches. See, the branches come off of the vine. The vine is planted. It's rooted down. He's the root of the uh, uh, line of Jesse. He's the Messiah. If a man abides in me, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Come to my house, mowing the grass and cutting the yard. I've broken vines off of the grapevine. They're laying on the ground. They're dead. You know where we started at? Dead. If you abide, if you keep if you have fellowship, all of these words, if you have true salvation, then you're in the family. You're looking to be pleasing and do your part in the family. Abiding, the abode. 
It actually means to abide, continue, and remain. I used to say that as much as I said word, prayer, and fellowship. Because you have to be standing. That's what the word stand means is to abide, continue, and remain. You have to be given witness. You're abiding, continuing, and remaining in Christ. You can't choose one day, though. I said a prayer, and I'm going to go over here and live for a while in obscure darkness. And I'm still okay because I said a prayer one day. Walk just as he walked. There's that parapeteo. Parapetatoes, Jim always calls it. It means your general walk, your tread all about, how you're living right now. Look what he said. He who says, what have you been saying? What is your lego? That's where that word lego comes from. Legos, you keep connecting them together. What is your witness? What are you testifying of? Are you saying that you're abiding in Christ? Well, you ought, some country people, ought, it means to be under moral obligation. Jesus said it when he said it in John chapter 4, I must needs go through Samaria. I ought to go through Samaria, same word. In yourself, you have to walk, peripateo, live just as he lived. How do we know how he lived? We read the Bible. We get in the word of God. We, we, we know or study to know who he is and what he's doing, what he's done. We're looking for him. We're, we're challenging ourselves to see and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us and guide us and lead us and learning to go out and minister to lost souls. Isn't that what Jesus did? When he walked the earth, what did he do? He spoke of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. They killed him. He got up and spoke of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He was trying to tell lost souls how to get back to the light. Fellowship with God. That's how he walked. Everything he did was to be pleasing to the Father. And without faith, it's impossible to please God, for you first must believe that He is, and He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews eleven six. Here's my beloved Son, and in Him I am well pleased. Why? Because He obeys everything that I tell Him to do. He keeps my commandments. He hands them out. And then He says, brethren... This is good. Brethren, have you seen this? It's verse uh, 7, and we'll close. Brethren, it means from the same womb. He's speaking to people that's in the same family, that has the same father, the same pater, the same father, the same propitiation, covered in the same blood. I write no new commandment. This is not new. This is not a new prescription. It's not, you know, well, let, let me tell you again that commandment. Listen to this, what commandment is here. It's an injunction, an authoritative prescription. You know what an injunction is? Anybody ever had an injunction on them from a court? Listen, an injunction is a command or an order, a precept. That's what the court does. It orders an injunction 
to do something. It's the direction of a superior vested with authority. See, in our country, you're supposed to, the authority is supposed to have been given to the courts, and now we're taking that away from them, and that's why our country has lasted so long. But, but who are you giving your authority to? See, if you're not giving your authority to keep His commandments and turn your heart towards obeying His commandments and His prescription, His injunction, His precepts, which are specific to you, if you're not giving that authority to God to be your authority, then you're listening to another government. You're listening to another authority. You're listening to another power, another strength. And if it's, it's any other than God's, it's darkness. It's not truth. So, brethren, I write you no new commandment, or excuse I write no new commandment to you. See, this is from the beginning. This is where Adam and Eve were at. They only have one. Although they were told to do, to tend the garden. And when they were, if they weren't tending the garden, they were omitting to do what they were told to do. But we know they tended the garden perfectly because that's not the problem. The problem was that one tree. Sin began there because of somebody bringing deception. It didn't begin because he wasn't taking care of the garden. He was obeying that perfectly because he was in fellowship with God. And he had the power and the strength and the ability to do it. He wanted to walk with God. Until deception came, till sin came. That's why we're given this bar of soap to confess it. So now we can walk and restore fellowship with God. So you got to restore fellowship. If you're not doing the things you're supposed to be doing, if you're not looking to see other souls, if you're not saying, Lord, what's my gifts, talents, and abilities? What have I been called to do in the body of Christ? If you're not doing those things, then something's interrupting your fellowship because that's what the Holy Spirit flowing through you wants to do. He wants you to search out the scriptures, to see Jesus, and go tell others what you've heard and what you see and what you've handled and be a witness standing in the victory of Christ because of the blood of Christ. But if something's interrupted your fellowship, then you need to listen to that counsel and confess it, say the same thing about it as God does. And again, as soon as I said that, you know what it is that's interrupting your fellowship because it came to your mind. So it's not new. It's an old commandment, which you have heard from the beginning. And I believe that's the beginning of, uh, in Genesis. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. And I believe now he's probably speaking maybe of even the beginning of Christ or beginning of the gospel message. He speaks of both of them. Because remember we talked about in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But then he said, as he started this letter, he said, that which was from the beginning, which, which we heard, and which we have seen with our eyes, and looked upon, and we have handled concerning the Word of life. See, another beginning, but it's the same, the same message from Genesis, the same, the same, no, God doesn't change. It's the same commandment, same prescription, same everything since the beginning of the gospel, even when Jesus Presented himself as the Messiah, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The question is, is are you having fellowship in the light? That's the question. Where's your fellowship? What does that mean? It's koinonia. It's all things in common with God. 
Because there are things in your life that are not, and you know they're there, and you know these don't line up with God. These are not fellowship. This is darkness. It's obscurity. It's shadiness. It's sin. I'm missing the mark, and I let these stay in my life because I think I'm okay because I said a prayer. It quenches the spirit. It grieves the spirit. He's saying, oh, come on, just, just confess this. Turn the light back on, and we can wash and cleanse this and move on in your growth to perfect you. And all you have to do is say the same thing God says. Continue to renew your vows. Continue to confess and walk as he has walked. And when you know you're not, you confess it. Well, how do I know? I continue to draw near, search the scriptures, and allow the Holy Spirit to counsel me and then to be my advocate, to wash and cleanse me. Prepare me as a bride to be presented to Christ soon and very soon. Father, thank you that we have an advocate with the Father. Thank you that we've been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Thank you that we can be at one again by receiving this gift, just believing, trusting in our heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. But Lord, we pray if that's true, that we would go on to completion, that we would have a desire to obey and to keep the light on and be in fellowship with you daily and others when you call us to. Give us a desire to know your word and to speak the truth in charity to others. Lord, help us to know that we know truth and then to hand it out charitably to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I?